Hi everyone, welcome back once again to Logical Bible Study, where we take a look at the literal sense of scripture. We do a really solid exegesis of the text of the gospel from today's Mass. And for today, we're looking at Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. So here's today's text. Jesus put a parable before the crowds. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the biggest shrub of all, and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and shelter in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour, till it was leavened all through. In all this, Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he would never speak to them except in parables. This was to fulfill the prophecy. I will speak to you in parables and expound things hidden since the foundation of the world. So we're in Matthew chapter 13, which is often considered the kingdom parables chapter. So here Matthew brings together about seven parables that Jesus speaks throughout his ministry, and Matthew has brought them all together, or it's possible that Jesus spoke them on the same occasion. It's not entirely clear, but they're all about the kingdom. And as you've probably heard me say, if you've been listening for the last few days, this is where the science of exegesis is really important. You've probably heard people mishandle parables a lot, and it's really important when we're studying parables, we want to find out what was the meaning Jesus intended before we jump to any possible spiritual applications, we always want to think about what was the meaning Jesus intended, because he usually intended to make one basic point. So we want to get at that. What is Jesus teaching about the kingdom with these parables? And we have two here today, the parable of the mustard seed and then the parable of the yeast, which actually have both a very similar meaning. Verse 31, so Jesus put a parable before the crowds. Notice he's speaking to the crowds here. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. So a mustard seed would have been quite familiar to his audience because mustard trees were quite common in Israel. So Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. In what sense is it like a mustard seed? Well, he's about to explain it. It is the smallest of the seeds. Now, this is a verse where a lot of skeptics have said, aha, here's where the Bible makes an error. Because we now know that the mustard seed is not the smallest possible seed. There are others which are smaller. But Jesus is not intending to teach botany here. He's clearly not trying to do that. He's just using a parable. He's setting up an analogy to show what the kingdom of God is like. And he's speaking in colloquial terms and he's using hyperbole as well. Exaggeration to make a point, which was quite common for Jewish teachers. And it was in fact the smallest known seed in Israel at the time. So it makes sense for him to call it the smallest of all the seeds. It was the smallest seed they were familiar with. Now, that would be shocking for the Jews to say the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed because they would have expected a good image for the kingdom of God to be like an army, a big army uh, that immediately wipes out its enemies because that's what they thought the kingdom of God was going to be like, an instantaneous, complete overthrow of the old order brought about by God and his Messiah. That's what his audience thought the kingdom of God was. So Jesus gives them this parable to correct their ideas of what the kingdom of God is like. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it has grown, it is the biggest shrub of all. 
So the mustard seed in that culture grew to around 10 feet tall, which was the largest shrub-like plant. So it starts off very small, but grows to 10 feet tall. So what's Jesus' main point? His main point with this short parable is that the kingdom of God is going to start small and then grow slowly over time. And that was, I mean, that's obvious to us, but his original audience didn't get that. They thought it was going to be instantaneous straight away, a massive worldwide kingdom. And we now know that this is true, isn't it? Because the kingdom of God started with Jesus and his preaching, but over the coming years and centuries, the kingdom of God would spread to the entire world. So Jesus needs to emphasize this. Because if they recognize he's the Messiah, which he is, he doesn't want them to have the false impression that it's going to be, he's going to bring about an immediate entry of the full kingdom of God. He then adds, when it has grown, it becomes the biggest shrub of all and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and shelter in its branches. Now, this is another one of those verses, which uh, some Christians have interpreted in different ways. Because there are some places in scripture, even in um, Jesus' own parables, where birds represent the ministers of Satan. If you remember the parable of the sower, it's the birds that come and pick the seeds off the ground. So in some parables, they are the messengers of Satan. But Jesus does use figures in uh, or objects in parables in different ways. He doesn't keep the same usage of the same object. So he often uses different Uh, Different usages of things like money and coins, they play different roles in different parables. And also lamps play different roles in different parables. It's the same with birds here. Birds is not supposed to be a reference to Satan. Um, That would be pressing the metaphor a bit too far. Jesus is not giving a cryptic meaning to birds here. His focus is on the mustard plant. Uh, The mustard seed being the smallest thing that grows into a big tree. That's his main focus. And... Birds are the natural residents of the plant. So that's the reference to birds here. The birds represent people in this parable. The birds represent people who will eventually come to lodge in the kingdom of God. And it probably has in mind Gentile people in particular, which of course the Jews were not fully comfortable with. Jesus has to remind them that the kingdom of God will encompass the whole world, not just Israel. So Jesus here teaches by referring to the birds that come into the the tree that many people, including Gentiles, will come into the kingdom of God. Now, this parable of the mustard seed has echoes from Old Testament passages. In particular, in Daniel chapter 4, there's a prophecy of God's kingdom being like uh, uh, gradually taking over the whole world. The same image is used, but in that case, it's a rock that gradually covers the whole world. And so that might be in Jesus' mind here when he's talking about the kingdom of God, starting small, growing bigger. And there might also be a direct reference here to Ezekiel chapter 17. In that chapter, Israel is discussed. And in verse 22 of Ezekiel 17, Israel is described as a tree. And it says, in the shade of its branches, every sort of bird will nest. Which is interesting uh, because the kingdom of God is the fulfillment of Israel. So maybe Jesus has that image in mind as well. We often don't get to hear this Old Testament background. But Jesus certainly knew his Old Testament, and he might have expected his readers to make that connection too. Verse 33, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour till it was leavened all through. 
Now that's it. That's all there is to this parable. This actually has the same basic meaning as the previous one. So yeast, or leaven, as some translations have it, is something which is put into bread and it starts quite small, but then it eventually grows and spreads throughout the whole loaf. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, In fact, yeast gives the loaf its bread-like quality. Yeast is a key ingredient in making bread happen. In that culture, only a tiny amount of yeast was put in, but the amount of bread that it makes is quite stunning. So what's the basic meaning here? The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, starts small and grows over time. Again, the Jews did not expect that. They thought the kingdom was going to come in its fullness straight away. So that's all pretty straightforward, but there's something else going on in terms of the numbers which are used here. So notice that Jesus says, it's like the yeast a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour. Now we might skim over that, and in fact, most of the time I have, but as I was reading some commentaries preparing for this episode, I learnt something completely new, which I'd never noticed. So three measures of wheat flour is about 60 pounds of flour. That's a whole lot of flour. And Jesus' hearers would have recognised that. That would be enough flour, or make enough bread, to feed well over a hundred people. It's a huge amount of flour. So why does Jesus pick such a large amount of flour? Now, the yeast is tiny, isn't it? The yeast is small, but the flour is large. So the flour here represents the world. That's why Jesus has picked a large amount of flour, because the world is large. So there's an additional element here in this parable of disproportion. A tiny amount of leaven, a tiny amount of the kingdom of God is hidden, yet it actively raises a very significant amount of meal, and therefore the kingdom of God actively changes a very significant, significantly large world. So it's an interesting usage there that you might not have thought about before. Now, once again, this parable has been misinterpreted by some Christians because there are some places in the Gospels where yeast is used in a negative context. And some have said that yeast is not Jewish at all because the Jews were known for making unleavened bread, Um, whereas Jesus here is talking about bread that has leaven. And it is true that in other places, even in chapter 16, in just a few chapters' time, Jesus does talk about leaven in a negative way. So remember, he talks about the leaven of the Pharisees as a negative thing. We need to be careful not to let one parable dictate how another should be interpreted. Sometimes that helps. Sometimes it doesn't, particularly if Jesus is clearly making two different points, which he clearly is in this parable involving yeast and some later parables involving yeast. So we need to be careful with that. So for his listeners, both of these parables, the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast, are a call to patience and to recognize that the work of growing the kingdom is God's. Verse 34, in all this, Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. Mark's version here says, using many parables like these, he spoke the word to them so far as they were capable of understanding it. So Mark here tells us that Jesus is giving parables which are within the spiritual reach of the crowd. So he's not giving things that are too complex. He's using deliberately picking parables that he thinks at least some people in the crowd will help them understand the kingdom. But remember, the purpose of parables is not, also involves an element of hiding some things about the kingdom 
and making it so that not everyone will understand. We've talked a bit about that on this podcast. So every parable he gives can be understood. Jesus makes it so that they can be understood, but only if one goes away and reflects on it and asks God to enlighten their mind. And it's kind of like a spiritual reflection. In order to understand these parables, Jesus would have expected the crowd to go and do a spiritual reflection on this. And then we also hear in verse 34, indeed, he would never speak to them except in parables. This is quite astounding, isn't it? So Jesus' preferred mode of speaking to large crowds is parables. Now, he does use other methods of teaching when he's dealing with small groups, but when he's talking to the large crowds, particularly at this point in his ministry, he speaks in parables. He prefers to use that for the purposes of concealing and revealing. Parables can both conceal and reveal, and that's the reason Jesus uses it with large amounts of people. Now, Mark's version adds this comment as well, which helps us out a bit. He explained everything to his disciples when they were alone. So he'd speak kind of cryptically via parables to the crowds, but when he's speaking to his inner circle of disciples, he spoke much more plainly. He doesn't want to conceal things from them. They're already in the presence of the kingdom of God, and it's going to be their responsibility as disciples to teach other people the mysteries of the kingdom later. So when possible, Jesus wants to explain or to help his disciples understand the meaning of the parables. And we see some examples in this chapter where the disciples come to Jesus and ask him to help them understand the parable. Verse 35, this was to fulfill the prophecy. Now, Matthew is once again going to quote from somewhere in the Old Testament, but this time it's from a psalm, Psalm 78. As Matthew often does, he wants to highlight to his audience that Jesus really is the Messiah. There's a whole lot of uh, passages in the Old Testament which predict what the Messiah is going to be like. This is one of them, Psalm 78, and Matthew deliberately goes out of his way to make that point to his readers. Jesus is the Messiah. This is what he quotes from Psalm 78. I will speak to you in parables and expound things hidden since the foundation of the world. Now, in context, that's not God speaking, that's the psalmist speaking, which is Asaph. And it's actually not a prophecy at all in context. Asaph is just saying, in the psalm, I'm about to speak to you in parables, which is what he then goes on to do. But Matthew, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here, detects that God has put a deeper sense in this psalm. He detects that this is, in fact, a legitimate prophecy of what the coming Messiah will do, which is speak in parables and expound things hidden since the foundation of the world. Matthew's basic reason for quoting this from Psalm 78 is to show that Jesus' use of parables in his ministry is in accord with God's will. In fact, it's prophesied in the Bible, in the Old Testament. On top of that, uh, this passage from Psalm 78 teaches that the Messiah is going to use parables to make things clearer, which have been hidden since the foundation of the world, which, of course, is a reference to how Jesus unpacks what the kingdom of God is like, which was not clear to them before Jesus' time. Some scholars have also pointed out that Psalm 78 itself is a summary of Old Testament salvation history. So by Matthew quoting Psalm 78 and applying it to Jesus, Matthew might be saying that Jesus is the one who brings God's plan of salvation to completion. Interesting, isn't it, when you dive into the text in this way? There's no catechism references for us to look at from today's passages, so we'll leave it there, and tomorrow we'll continue to look at some parables from the Gospel of Matthew.